the sheriff. Podcast, baby. Yeah. It's the sheriff. HL man of the year. 500 pro fights in his career. Got the record for most ice fights in the season. Chill. You the sheriff. Lucky you still breathe. It's the sheriff. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Sheriff Podcast. Guys, do I ever have a treat for you? Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is Wednesday, January the 4th, 2023. Our World Junior team is currently playing the Americans right now. We are down two to nothing, but we will come back. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited right now because I have a guest tonight that I've been waiting to have on my show for a very, very long time. And there is many, many reasons why. But before I get into that, I would like to introduce to you my guest tonight. He hails from Toronto, Ontario <laughs> at six foot one, 195 pounds. He is a light heavyweight. He is a former member of the elite 1981 Wexford Raiders. He starred on the powerhouse Ottawa 67s of the Ontario Hockey League. He was drafted 30th overall to the Atlanta Thrashers. A is a former member of the bad boys of hockey, the Danbury Trashers. He is a dedicated practitioner of Kriya, Kriya Yoga, meditation, and mindfulness and Tibetan mysticism. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my friend Luke Sellers. How are you doing today, my man? Thanks. Thanks. We clap for each other around here, man. Uh, yes, I love the energy, man. It's How absolutely, you doing, absolutely amazing. I'm doing great. It is 2-1 now. I've seen the screen behind the camera. That is unbelievable. Can Canada just scores, so that's nice. That's nice. But no, I mean, th in, in all seriousness, thanks for having me on, brother. It's you know, we don't know each other that well, but in, in just watching and observing what you're up to and what you're doing, man, it's heavily inspiring and just really beautiful to see, especially with a man of your stature and that, so it's, it's an honor to be here. Well, I appreciate the kind words, my friend. And to be honest with you, like I said in the beginning, I've really waited a long time to have you on the show, buddy, because I've looked up to you for a very long time. I want the guests, I want the guests, I want the listeners and viewers to know that, you know, we're only a year apart, even though you look 10 years younger. <laughs> I'm, I'm in 82 and you're in 81. And, you know, when I was growing up in Toronto, you know, obviously we were just the one age group apart. Yeah. And, man, did I ever look up to you like I said, man. So we're going to get into all that. But, like, Luke, honestly, my style, I like to go to the beginnings right off the hop. I love it. My first question, I know you're a Toronto boy, but where in Toronto did you grow up, bro? I'm a Scarborough man myself. Yeah, so I was, I was born in Scarborough, and, and, and then my folks moved out to Pickering when I was around, I think, two or three years of age. So I, I, my family grew up in Pickering, however, because of the zoning issues in, in the MTHL at the time, right after grade three, I basically was living with my grandmother in, in West Hill to go to school there for grade four, five, six, so I could play with Wexford. Wow, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. so now... This is, this is kind of my stopping ground. So I'm, I'm going to get a little bit more specific. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so what school did you go to in West Hill? Because that's really close Centennial, to Park. Centennial Road. Really? Yeah, Centennial Road Public School. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. I went to Cardinal Asia Catholic okay. School, yeah. just at Morris and Ellesmere. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I know exactly. Very, very close, yeah. man. So we're even, we're even closer. <laughs> where did you, we you go to high school? Moet? Uh, in, 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 no, close oh. to Moet. In grade nine, I went to Pope John Paul II. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, I went got, to yeah. Catholic schools. All oh, the way, God. So. Okay, good, good, but good. But yeah, Moet, yeah. I, I got a lot of buddies from Moet. Like, they're all my hockey buddies. Yeah. And, and yeah, I had a great time uh, with people from that school. So, so, dude, so, okay, so Toronto. So now I want to know about the fam. I want to know about mom and dad, yeah. any siblings. Yeah. Let's yeah, yeah. hear all about it. Yeah, so, so 
Mother Lori, she was, um, my mom was a nurse her whole life, hardworking and, and just a beautiful human being and, a, and a, uh, an intricate part of, of really me getting my head out of my ass in life for, yeah. for, for better way of saying it. It's, you know, you come to know that there's, there's really nothing stronger than a mother's love on this planet. She literally kept me alive in, in depths of addiction and things like that. And, and not that a father's love isn't something that's, that's, that's powerful also. Uh, my dad, um, yeah, name's Doug and, and he's got a construction business now. Uh, builds retail construction stores, but just just a really kind man and hardworking and that. So I, I was raised by by really really beautiful parents. Our home environment and that was one that was you know I didn't see my folks fighting and arguing and that type of stuff. And they really lived to provide for me and my sister Shannon, who she actually works uh, now uh, with youth, uh, children's aid type stuff and that. So wow. yeah, so it's no I I, I had a, a a picturesque type upbringing and it was really supported well and, and and have a really strong beautiful relationship with both of my parents and my sister now. And I have a little niece, my sister's daughter. Uh, Ava, who's uh, six now, so it's, nice. it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, I mean, family's everything. Yes. Right? I lost sight of that most of my life, and now I'm just happy to be in a place where, where you really you, you feel the sacredness of it when you're there spending time with, with them, and, and that. so it's, it's beautiful. Awesome, man. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. So now, how many years apart are you and your sister? Three. Three so years apart. And now, is she the, the elder? No, no, she's three years younger. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Now, I can appreciate that because I, I have a brother that's three years younger. Okay. And a brother that's five years younger. Okay. A sister that's three years older. Okay. So, and so, who's, so the, I, who's the boss? Your sister? Well, well, my sister's the boss. She's the oldest. <laughs> you know, and then I try to be the boss after that, right? Mm. So, um, the reason why I'm asking is... I, I do find that with our siblings that they have a big part like in our upbringing, especially when it comes to sports. Now, mm. was she in sports or was she a supporter of her older brother's sports? <laughs> Both. She was a gymnast, and I okay. think I think as being a younger younger sister of a and having a brother that's you know doing okay in hockey and you know playing at a significant level in that. I mean, it's just part of the equation. Yeah. She was getting dragged around to rinks all over the place. I don't know how much she liked it. And, and you know, really too, it's, you look at that dynamic within a, within a family and, and just because of the nature of how much time and energy is put into hockey and that, it can make the, the other sibling feel that they're not getting as much attention and things like that. And I was just really looking back on it now, it was really impressive to see how my, my folks kind of didn't let that happen. Right. They didn't make it all about me uh, as much as it kind of became all about me when you've got an older brother who's you know, getting drafted to the OHL and all that kind of stuff, oh, yeah. right? So, but oh, it's, yeah. uh, so it was t I'm sure it was tough for her. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. And like, I, I really appreciate you sharing that as well, Luke. Like that's, that's, I, I do. So now I want to get into, you played for kind of like a famous minor hockey team, the Wexford Raiders, yeah, yeah. okay? And now, the reason why I say famous is because you guys were really that good. Mm. You guys were an elite team, yeah. pretty much from novice to Bantam. Now, as we mentioned before the recording, I had an opportunity to play for that organization when I was in Pee Wee. Yeah. I was in Don Mills every other year. So now, what I'm getting at here is there is a AAA international tournament that a lot of us have had a great opportunity to be able to be a part of. Yeah. So now, I'm talking about the Quebec Pee Wee International Tournament. We talked a little bit before the show. Yeah, yeah. I want to discuss with you the things that I found that stood out to me. Now, first off, it was my first time on the big stage. Okay. Can you talk about that? Explain to the viewers how big of a stage that is as a 12-year-old? It's unfathomable. It's, it's absolutely unfathomable. I mean, you, you arrive there, and I mean, we arrived in Quebec, and I think there was like 15 feet of snow. Like, I've never seen so much snow in my life. And then you're staying with a billet family, yep. right? And I... 
I'll never forget this. I'm sitting there in the basement of this Billet family with, I think I had another teammate with me and they had two younger children yeah. and they didn't speak English, oh. right? So, so we're sitting there and there's, <laughs> I, I, I just remembered this memory. And the one kid's looking, pointing at the TV going, J.O. Pardee, J.O. Pardee, Jeopardy was on. Oh. And I'm sitting there trying to trying, to, fig trying to figure out what the kid was saying, and that just came to me right now. But it was, it was we were we were a team that was slotted to, to win it, or to be one of the teams. You know, and you, you you go back to all the nostalgia of like trading pins with other players, and just like that stage to play in the Coliseum, like at that age. Yeah. I mean, I don't. For all of us, it was it was you know, and then you know with the fans and that, and then I mean, oh. it's just absolutely incredible. I, I it's, it was probably the first time. As a as a young kid playing hockey, where when we lost in the quarters, which to a team we shouldn't have, and it was just like you know all the boys are there on the on the ice crying. Oh, yeah. It's like it you know it's, it's it's like life is over and that, and it was just yeah. But it was it, it was it's just you can't put it into words. Is, it, is yeah. the is the is the tournament still going on? The tournament the tournament is still going on. Like I'm not sure if during COVID they might have yeah, stopped yeah, for it sure. for like a, like two or three years, sure. but but it's still it's still running strong. Yeah, we yeah that that year we ended up winning the the the, the Ontario's that year. So we, we we were we were meant to win. It was a huge disappointment for, for yeah. us to, to not win that tournament. And and uh, I don't even know who won that year. But now you guys, like you mentioned before, you guys were slotted as one of the as oh, one of the sure. favorites. To we, win. we had to have been in the top. I mean, I don't yeah. remember, you know, accurately remember, but I think the top three are at least the favorite to win. Yeah, but that's yeah. why you guys were, were so disappointed. Oh, for sure, really, for sure. Dad said we're supposed to win. Uh, yeah. This is so disappointing. But like, but yeah, like I mean, that that type of experience at at the age that we got to experience it at, like I find that. Anything like before we were 18 years old, like I know junior, there's a lot of experiences, but man, before that, I just find that that sticks out to me so yeah, much. I had to ask you about it. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it, it is it is it is one of those things. I'm just thinking back of, of anything else that even came closer, but it didn't. It's it's. I mean, you, you go on a trip to Europe with your you know Bantam team or whatever it was, but that that tournament is a blessing for young for young kids and families and that, and then and really to be staying with another family at that age. That's right. I mean, that's not. That's yeah. not something that a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of kids that I find that are playing minor hockey because of the cost of that. It's not like we you know we have a lot of kids coming from group homes and all that yeah, kind of things, exactly. is, which I think we, we need to be doing more with. But I see you're doing some really good work with with I think Seaside yes. organization and that right. Oh, so, yes. but to live with another family at that age and a different culture and that like it's just these are the things that shape and mold us into the human beings that that, that I think you know we are and, and and it's just yeah it was so much fun. So now I'm glad that we're at this time right now because there's a lot of guys that, well, everybody's going to know once we say the names, but there's a lot of guys that I know personally that were also a part of this group. Yeah. So guys like Mike Zigamanis, yeah. guys like Brian McGratton. I hear Ziggy's uh, radio show just got canceled. Really? Sorry about that, Ziggy. Chad, I'm, just, I'm just grinding him a bit. I ain't, see, I ain't seen him in a while. So Chad Wiseman. Yeah, Wiseman. Yeah. Um, the list kind of goes on, man. So like, what did you, okay so here's my question you were a smart bright kid growing up did you when you saw these type of teammates like a guy like brian mcgrath with the size and, yeah yeah were you thinking like yeah this teammate of mine he's going to the nhl rafi rafi torres yeah he's yeah he's going Raph, to the nhl yeah. he's so solid on his feet like were you thinking that at that age? no no i i mean my 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 junior year so i was <clears throat> As a as a bantam, I was ranked, I think, in the to go in the second round of the OHL draft, right? Yes. So, yes. I, so we went to the draft and thought I was going to get drafted. Ended up happening. I went, I went the, I ended up going the year after to Ottawa or to Ottawa. But the the whole thing about about 
about my experience in minor hockey is when that Central Souding rating came out for the OHL, it was the first time that it even had occurred to me that maybe hockey might be something that was going to, to, to happen and take place, you know, and, yeah. be, and be a lifestyle for it. So, I mean, there just wasn't that kind of conversation going on back then within a locker room or, like, not even, I mean, it was just wasn't even, I mean, even when in my first year of junior in, in Ottawa when Central Scouting came out to the NHL, even then it still wasn't, I wasn't thinking, like, yeah. I'm going to play pro hockey for a living. Mm -hmm. I was just... For me, <laughs> this might sound a little bit crazy, but I just love being around the boys. Yeah. Even maybe more than a game, yeah. right? Just the locker room, the, the camaraderie, being, being part of a community, being part of something, and all that kind of stuff. So it just, it just wasn't, it wasn't a conversation that was going on. Now maybe it was going on within other families, like yeah. I don't know, like a, I don't know, Ziggy or these guys or, or Raf. But I, I, even with Raf and his upbringing and that, and it's just. I just we were just having fun. Yeah. We were kids. It's yeah. like we were in the moment. Yeah, we're not That's living. Right. We're not living about what's to happen tomorrow or what's going to happen next week. It was yeah. just like you want to be with your buddies. You want to get it. You know, it was just it was it was a different time. You see now in minor hockey and that it was just that uh, the the Marley's tournament there. A friend of my coach is that. It's just it's a different world. Mm -hmm. It's just all about what's next, what's next, what's next. Yeah, yeah. So it just it wasn't a conversation that was going on, and and, and, I'm, and I'm grateful that it wasn't. Yeah, well, you, don't need, you don't need that pressure at yeah. the age of 13, 14, 15. You definitely don't. And, you know, while you're saying this, Luke, um, a couple things are coming up that I'm thinking about. And one thing is, is when you mention, like, living in the moment, like you and Rafi Torres living in the moment, you guys were having fun. You guys were kids. You guys were enjoying. You guys were actually enjoying the competition. You weren't worrying about, like, what your parents were saying or anything like that. I have a buddy, a really good buddy. His name is Dan Sullivan, 1981. He was, a, he was the Marlies guy, the big I guy. Know I yeah, know I know you know yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big guy on the Toronto Marlies. Yeah. You guys were Wexford. Yeah. Now, Sully said to me, oh, you got Luke Sellers coming on your show? Man, when I was a kid, I thought of that guy as a god. He was <laughs> such a big, tough defenseman, yeah. and he was, he was a god. And now, so as an adult... I'm, I'm piecing this together. I know how my buddy Sully thinks. I'm now getting to know you. You were actually enjoying yourself as a kid. Yeah. How it came off to the other kids is yeah. that you were the big professional guy <laughs> when really you were just having fun. Yeah. And I think that that's the key really to success. That's, I, think it's, I think it's the key to life. Yeah. I mean, we're here to have fun. Yeah. Like, we're like, you know, even you know, no matter how shitty life can become or how life is showing up, life is always showing up the way it's showing up. And if, if there's something wrong with it, or we think there's something yeah, wrong with it, we're getting we're getting we're getting an applause from the sold out crowd in the VIP table. There's not there's not <laughs> something wrong with life. There's something wrong with us inside of us. We need to look inside and start getting to the source of what it is. And I mean, working with children so much in that, it's just like you look at five and six year olds. They're, we're in the moment. Like this is the way we're meant to live yeah. life. And then as we get older and all this and you know all the different things that come in, so it's 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 it's. Things are meant to be fun. Yes. And even when life's shitty, it can still be fun. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It can still be fun. Well, look right now. It's raining outside. Yeah. We're having fun. Yeah. Right? <laughs> As you see the, the beautiful bottom line yeah. window where, you know, we're seeing people walk by getting to catch the show yeah, from outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, a great, it's a great setup It's pretty cool here. stuff. That's right. So now I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit excited right now, dude, because I want to talk about the Ottawa 67s, yeah. right? <laughs> the Ottawa 67s. When I was in the OHL, man, it was like, it was like Ottawa was like a, a level of, above everybody. And then there was the rest of the league. Yeah. When it came to the arena, the, the, the attendance you guys got, yeah, your, your like famous coach. Yeah. Like you guys had it all, right? But there was one name that I always heard was Luke Sellers. <laughs> so 
did you how did they recruit you like did they did they tell you they were going to draft you before like how did all that all that work so so I, I so I so my underage year I I think I was ranked to go in the second round of the draft like you were saying and you had to be drafted in the first four rounds that's right my parents big on big on school and things like that we had had an arrangement with Sudbury that I was going to go there okay well they had the first four rounds to take me and they didn't end up taking me in the fourth round so I'm sitting there at Maple Leaf Gardens as an underage kid and had to go through that whole experience of not being drafted I remember sitting in my room afterwards and like you know that that feeling that probably the first real experience I had on on what sport actually does and okay. this this whole competitive way of trying to get somewhere trying to get from somewhere and the the heartache and the and the difficulties that come with it so then i ended up playing a year junior junior uh with wexford, with we, wexford. Ended up, we ended up winning the, the metro junior a championship which is which was a great year and i get drafted to ottawa 19th overall i think something like that and okay so first round 19th yeah, overall. yeah exactly right okay and, and i don't i think i don't know where i was ranked but anyways killer <laughs> brian killer comes to my to my folks house to you know as they come to meet with you yeah. and meet with the family and that and, and and he's telling the story he's like i'm looking there and i'm looking at the at, at who we're supposed to pick and and the way killer would talk you like killer's like who the fuck is this kid here and, and like to to joel roley the head scout he never seen me play never heard of me okay but they they had me slotted to go in like the top 10 so he's like oh we might as well pick him then he's available yeah so. so so he picked me would never see me play in that and but but the scouting staff in ottawa was was the gravy there, Joe Rowley specifically. I don't know if he's still alive, but that's that organization. I mean, I came onto a team with Nick Boynton was my D partner. Like, you know <laughs> I was going to ask. Who Brian, yeah, Brian Campbell was he? Oh, he, 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 he oh Soupy, wow. Brian Campbell was there. We had uh, Mark Bell was on that team. Um, I mean, we go NHL guy, um, Dave Bell. Yeah. Yeah, like it was just, well, yeah. he, I, he, I don't think he was there my first year, but Alan McCauley came from there. I mean, so many, so yeah. many guys had an organization, and, and it really it's just their scouting staff and just, Kind of old-time hockey where they let, let guys just do what they want uh, on the ice, which <laughs> didn't work so well off the ice. But <laughs> now, it, It's funny that you mentioned that because, like, I just remember, like, my last couple years, um, Kanopka. Yeah. Kanopka owned that bar, right? Yeah. In Ottawa. In Ottawa. He, like, him, like, him, it was, like, a family-owned bar. And, yeah. And, you know, and, and he was, like, you know, he was Kanopka and this very successful OHL team. And bar owner, and like I just remember thinking, like, wow, yeah, yeah. like this is incredible yeah. stuff. The guys on this team, like, yeah. what they do, yeah, yeah. And like, so I wanted to ask you, got ask you about the last two seasons. I saw that you guys had like a like really deep playoff runs. Yeah. I can't remember if you guys won it or not. We won the Mem Cup my first year. Okay, so the first year, the first year you guys won the Mem Cup because we hosted it. You guys, hosted we, we got knocked out in the second round by Belleville in the playoffs. Really? Yeah. So because we hosted the Mem Cup in Ottawa, we got yeah. it. We got a buy to play in it, right? But we got knocked out in the second round, and I'll never forget it. We come in the locker room afterwards, and Killer looks at the whole locker room. He says, "I don't want to see any of you guys for like ten days," which is astronomically unheard of in junior hockey. Yeah. You'd be on the ice the next day getting bags. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, <laughs> ten days. I think, I think Mark Bell got arrested in those ten days. Something happened with Lance Galbraith. Like the team, it was yeah, just Galbraith was. Like, yeah. Ottawa, Ottawa, Ottawa was. It's old. It was old time hockey. You'd be walk, you played, and if you won, you drank. It was that simple. And when you're 16, 17, 18 years of age, it's the greatest thing in the world because you got the key to the city. Yep. And, 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 you know, it, it, but, it, you know, from the perspective of bringing along good young men, maybe not 
the best environment. Uh, you know, we didn't really have to go to school and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Right? It was a lo- it was a lot different than the rest of the league because the yeah. league had shifted. Mm-hmm. They were you know they were focused on school and that. If guys weren't going to school, they had breakfast club and that. In Ottawa, it was yeah. a free for all. But we were winning, and that was the big thing. And that and that, but that's kind of the sad part around this that you know you look at sport. It's like as long as you're winning, everything's okay. But it's like yeah, but is it really? Yeah. You know, it's like we're dealing with human. It's beings. okay for the owners. We're dealing with human beings here, right? Yeah. It's like I mean, we're all we're all going through our own stuff and that. And I mean, yeah, yeah. So it was, but but it helped shape me in, into who I am today. So I had a, it was it was it was a lot of fun. And winning winning the Mem Cup our first year. And actually beating Belleville in the semis after they knocked us out in the in the uh, in the second round, and then we played in it our third year because we won the OHL. That's right. Which was which was the run that really meant the most because you go to war over four rounds. You know how. And it, oh yeah. It's, yeah. And, it, and then but we went to Regina and we just we we didn't have it. So. Yeah. So now and I appreciate you sharing those stories. During this time though, there was another draft. Yeah. Okay. After your first year. Yeah. Okay. So now this is the NHL entry draft. Yeah. Now, here's my question to you. You were the 30th pick, yeah. right? The 30th pick. Were you the last pick in the first round or the first pick in the second, second round? Second pick of the second round. You were the second pick of the yeah, second yeah, round. Yeah, because there was 28 teams there. There was 28 teams. Yeah, this was in 2001. I believe so. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. And that, and that, and, and, and it's, <laughs> the, what I say to people is my career started in the toilet and ended in the toilet. And the reason being is that we're sitting there at Boston Garden and they had they figured I was going to go somewhere around the middle of the first round or that. I had gotten mono uh, in, no in the second half of the season in Ottawa uh, and and didn't play for two or three months and and, and my stock had dropped a bit. But uh, nonetheless, so the end of the first round comes and you're sitting there nervous and you know pounding waters and you know this it's like this is the biggest day of your life. Of course. I mean, looking back, we realize it's just you know at a, the time a drop of water in the yeah. ocean of, oh, of, yeah. of life, right? But nonetheless, so I go up to go to the washroom. Right? So I'm sitting in there in the washroom, taking a leak, right? And all of a sudden, so they had started the second round. I figured I had a few minutes. All of a sudden, you hear over the loudspeaker, the so-and-so takes Luke Sellers. And all I hear is Luke Sellers ringing through the thing. And I'm sitting here, like, mid-taking a leak. I got to shake it off. I'm pulling my pants up. I'm running down the, down the things. I don't know who drafted me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear the oh, team. No, so I'm, didn't see. I'm, I'm looking up there. I'm like, I'm just like, you know, you're just like, it's just like, really? Like, this is like, I'm not in my seat. They've got a light going there. And here I go coming down the thing. And I find out that Atlanta drafted me. And I was like, Atlanta? I'm like, fuck, I don't even remember meeting with them. I met with Danny Marr, who was the, the, who was a Leaf scout, like right at the beginning of the season. So it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting to say the least. Okay. So, so you mentioned this was, this was the TD Garden. So this was in Boston? Yeah, yeah. Boston okay. Garden, yeah. So... Who went with you? My mom, my dad, my sister, and my I had I, my girlfriend at the time. Um, and then I had, actually, my mom and dad had childhood friends. They went to Cedarbury High School with, and that that had lived lived in Boston. And so they they came with the, their son, who was a close childhood friend. And it was yeah, it was it was fun. It was right a on. lot of fun. So no, I'm I'm, ass, I'm assuming that you know there was a party that was that night. And yeah. stuff and you know celebrations this that the other you're in boston you're surrounded by other guys that were drafted now when the dust settled a little bit and like maybe when you guys came back home like what did you have any like kind of cool talks with your parents like i always look at the nhl draft as like a family accomplishment mm. because i mean dude we're 18 years old so i mean other than a couple years in junior billeting our families have been through everything sure. with us yeah, through and through, definitely right so like, did you? How do you feel about that? Like, do you feel that kind of the same way, or like, like? Yeah, no, no, for sure. I think it was, 
I think it was it was it's a really beautiful experience for for the entire family, um, and 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 one that was was a beautiful thing to be able to share with them. I mean, you know, looking back at it now, I, I think there's a, a lot of importance that's put on this this whole experience and mm -hmm. sport and that 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 might not necessarily line up with with really, you know. What people are going through in life and yep. things like that, but Values I think any any time that, that that your family's brought together and it's something that's an extension of all the hard work that my parents put in, all the early mornings, all yes. the sacrifices my sister made to mm -hmm. you know come to hockey tournaments and that, and have to be you know hanging out with stinky boys that are yep. three years older and all that. So from that perspective, it was that's and that's what it's all about. It's not it's not an individual thing. It's, yeah. it's a whole family that yeah. takes that it takes to, to not only a hockey player but just to shape a human being. Oh, yeah. A whole community really. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah so in, in that sense it's it's it, it was it was it was really really a beautiful thing. And you know, as, as your parents and your beautiful mother sitting here and that they're proud. Proud they of us, right? Yeah. It's like we're and, and to be able to be able for them to be able to observe and witness their child who's put in all this hard work and that being actually recognized and acknowledged for it, I think it's gotta be a really beautiful experience for, for, for a parent. I think also humbling too, because it's like, you know, how many guys get drafted every year? You know, it might be a few hundred or that. I mean, yep. it's, 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 it's a massive honor. It is. I, I, do, I do appreciate you like, like giving that insight because like I even take it as far as, the, to me, the, how the, what the NHL draft represents is it's pretty much saying like to your family, we're selecting your son. Yeah. We're gonna give him an opportunity to go to the next level. Yeah. But we want to recognize your family. You are drafted yeah, yeah. into this draft. Yeah. And now your son can do whatever he's gonna do with it. Yeah. But we just want to recognize the hard work, dedication, everything that yeah. you just mentioned. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. It's it's it's, it's a really it's a really good uh, good way of looking at it. And again, because these moments that are coming and going in life, we don't ever get them back. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. this moment, now this moment, now this moment. Like it'll go. never be here again, right? Yeah. I think I think the thing for me at that age is that I was so focused on getting there to the next, getting to pro, getting there, and you know, and you have all the agents around you and them pumping you up. That who was your agent? Uh, Donnie Meehan. New, okay. Newport Sports, right? The top, the yeah. top of the top. Ex exactly. Newport. Ex exactly, right? So, so, and you know, I just I just saw something in passing of uh, uh, Bieksa. So speaking in the Vancouver locker room and along the lines of like, you know, enjoy these moments. Like, don't take them for granted. Don't be looking to what's next. You know, as a junior hockey player, you get drafted, you want to sign a ticket and, you know, start go buy a car and be able to live this whole lifestyle. And I think for me, if I could go back and speak to that, that, that man at 18 years of age of who I was, my advice would be to listen, breathe it all in and, and, and really, really, really bathe in it because these moments are special and, and you're going to be looking back. And, and for me, it's not regret, but I didn't, I didn't really bathe in it. I was so focused on trying to get somewhere, right? So, yeah. Well, I mean, the audience definitely appreciates how deep you're getting, buddy, because that's incredible insight. I appreciate you sharing yeah, it. Sure. So now, I don't want to get, I don't want to do back-to-back, -back, like, these incredible moments. So I'm going to do another segment before I get to another incredible moment. Perfect. This guy right here. Now, this was a jersey <coughs> that was given to me by AJ Galante. Yeah. You know, he, he, gave, he sent one for me and my brother-in-law, Danny yeah, yeah, Major. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So now, <laughs> I never played for these guys. He's just saying that I'm part of the bad boys of yeah, hockey yeah, club. Yeah, well, rightfully, right? rightfully so. I'm part of the bad boys of hockey club. But and, you, and, my friend. Anybody that's unhinged enough to have 50 fighting majors in a season, or however many it was, is, is part of the... You're the chief of the bad boys of hockey. <laughs> but, but, but you, my friend, yeah. you were an yeah. original bad boy of yeah, hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played for the Danbury Trashers. Um, 
Do you mind just telling the audience, like, obviously there was the Netflix special that was just yeah. a year and a half ago. Um, you know, it, 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 like what AJ says is it's obviously it's not a current team, but what it is is it represents an attitude. It, it represents like a movement, yeah. okay? But you played for the team. So let's talk about the team. How did you get recruited to the Denver Trash? So, I, so, I, so my, my, third, my third year pro with Chicago it was really the year I'd finally figured out what it was to be a pro. My first two years, I was still acting like a boy. I, I, I just, it hadn't clicked for me. I'm still in that junior mentality. Uh, but I ended up having knee surgery uh, at the end of the season, my third year. Got a staph infection post-surgery post that went bad. I mean, they almost ended up amputating my leg. So I was, I, my, wow. it was a career-ending injury. I was out of the game for two years, living in Chicago, doing rehab work, but still, you know, chasing that identity and that dream, or not even a dream, the identity of being a hockey player because it's all I'd ever known. Um, and, and my boy, Ryan Barnes yeah. was, was playing down there and he had called me and just said, you know, get down here. So I can't really, I can't really play. I've been, I was down in Florida in the, with the Everblades skating with them and okay. because I played a game in the NHL and my American hockey league, I mean, you yeah. could get, you could get a spot anywhere in the coast and that yeah. back then. And teams were interested in, you know, paying to help me rehab and all that, but it just wasn't getting better. And then Barnes, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, you got to get down to Danbury. And I think I was on the phone with, with, uh, AJ's father. Uh, that Jimmy. night, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Jimmy, just who's who's uh, a, a good friend. I, I haven't spoken to him in a while, but but he, so he said, get down here. So I get down there, and it was, <laughs> you can't even put this into words. You, you you just can't. It's like I think it was like my my second game there, and and warm up starts, and on the jumbo trauma, and, and I think it was Frankie by Lois. Yeah. That was or someone playing, and the they animal. literally had like they had, literally had like this. It was like WWE wrestling, like, and it was like it was like the commentator talking to the tough guy on the other team during Europe, like Frankie Bialos is coming for you, like, like, <laughs> like literally, like, oh, like it was it was like I'd never seen like it before in my life. And then the you know, and then we and then you had the wing nut there too, Wingfield, Brad Wingfield, who was in that, who was just enough. But you know the thing is, is that is that like. We had a good team that year, yeah, right? It was oh, like yeah. we almost ended up winning the whole league, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. Every was, year AJ had a team was yeah. very well, successful. When I first walked into the locker room and I'm seeing, and Barnes, he's telling me, he's like, you're not really, he said, what's going on here? You're not even, it's just, it's like nothing else you've ever seen. I'm thinking, okay, so I get down there, I walk in and there's AJ and he's playing video games. We're walking in for practice. And I'm like, I'm like, who's that? He's like, that's our GM. <laughs> I was like, this is fantastic. It was amazing. And then, and then, and you know, the thing is, is that, in Danbury, regardless of, of you know what people think about you know who owned the team and all that kind of stuff, is that it's is we were treated as family. We were we were Jimmy's guys, and uh, we got we got treated we got treated like royalty in that town. The, it was just it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun, but it was yeah the <laughs> the violence was just like it was just another <laughs> level. But then again, it's like you know I'm a proponent of thinking that hockey that fighting is necessary in hockey. Personally, you see all the injuries and shit that happen now because it's not there any longer. Um, so, you know, and guys knew what they're getting themselves into. We're all professionals, but it was, there was some bang outs there. That, like, I mean, just, just crazy, just crazy. And the fans were just like bloodthirsty. Section 102. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but like, just, but I still speak to some of these, like, just, oh, yeah. just like salt of the earth type, yep. because Danbury, Connecticut is a, it's, it's, it's not a, not the greatest city. You know what I said? Like there's, there's a lot of poverty and things there. So I think what was brought to the town there really did a lot for the community. And it was, a, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, I mean, AJ, AJ, AJ's a buddy of mine. I think the guy's incredible. He has an incredible mind, incredible businessman. And, and, and I know that he treated the players so oh, well. The I'm, treatment 
was like incredible. Not, Everybody the, says for the, for the United Hockey League, uh, for 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 any for any hockey league, any team. Oh, that because that's right. Because you were the you hosted the the, the ice wars. Uh, the ice oh, yeah, wars. That's, that's how right. I know that, that's AJ. right. Yeah, AJ. Yeah. I, I love AJ. He's a he's a he's a he's a good dude. I I don't talk to him too often, but but uh, but no, yeah. It's just, <laughs> that was that was a riot. It's another world, absolute other world. So okay, so and I really appreciate you sharing that. So now, you know, like like before we go, buddy, like. I have to talk to you about your first year pro. Yeah. Your first year pro was was quite unbelievable season, man. Like, like obviously there's the NHL game, which we're gonna get into, but you played for the Chicago Wolves, which in my opinion is the New York Yankees of the AHL. Yeah. You know, for sure. Pretty much an unlimited budget. They carry extra veterans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're it, they, it's incredible. Yeah. So now. You played in the NHL. Do you find that the Chicago Wolves is like the closest thing to the NHL that you can get? Like, like, what's your opinion on that? I mean, play, play yeah. The, the, I mean, the organization. I mean, we were flying everywhere. Other yeah. teams are busting and all that. Donnie Levine, I, the owner. I mean, just huge money. I mean, like, and and they had just come out of the IHL. So That's like, right. the whole team. I think there was me and two or three other guys around the age of thirty. The other team, I mean, you had like Robbie Brown, who scored 49 goals with Lemieux, yeah. which was hilarious because Gene Ubriaco was one of our coaches, right? And, yeah. and Brownie, Brownie, so he's got 49 goals, right? Back when he played with Lemieux and Lemieux would go through the whole team. He's on the ice, last game of the season, he's on the ice. Gene, who was one of our, our, our scouts in Chicago, was the head coach of the team. Pulls Rob Brown off. It's the last, the face-off's in their zone. Lemieux's taking the face, takes him off the ice. No way. Lemieux wins the face-off, goes down, scores. He would have scored 50. So oh it's my it was hilarious my first year coming in, is seeing just the older crowd, Steve Maltese, guys that had played, you know, had played some significant years in the NHL, Dallas Eakins and that. It was a, it was a real good team of veterans and things like that. My problem was is that my head was so far lodged up my ass and I was an alcoholic that I didn't take advantage of it, right? I had so much under underlying pain and, and trauma and shit I was going through. I didn't realize what I had laying there before me. So coming into that organization, I mean, things were set for me to be able to, to do well. That being said, the, the off season before my first year pro, I had, uh, I had abdominal surgery to fix an abdominal tear. They put a mesh into my stomach and that. And I came into training camp and the coaching staff didn't really know that I'd gone on. So there was some miscommunication in that. I just didn't start on the, good, on, on the right foot. I was, a guy, I was a guy that had off-ice issues. It was known coming out of Ottawa and that. And, uh, and I just, I didn't know what it was to be a pro. I wasn't a man, I was a boy. You know, in a man's world and, and living downtown Chicago and the Jeez. recipe. I was living with Normie Miracle, who was, who was really? a goalie. Yeah, goalie. Yeah, well, played play with the wings and that. And, yeah. you know, it was known that he was a guy that liked to have beers and all that. And, I mean, it was just, it was a, it was a shit show. I, I, it, uh, that being said, again, helped shape me to who I am today and, and, and really and, and learn humility and all these different things. So, but. so now, I really want to know how you found out you got called up to the NHL. Okay. Like, how did you first find out? So I got, so I got sent down to the coast my first year. I was in, in Chicago because I, I wasn't performing. I wasn't taking care of myself. Um, and I just wasn't getting it. And so I get sent down to the coast. And, I, and I'll never forget this. I'm down. And, and the coast I love because it was like I was in junior again. Yeah. Right? So what up, Sheriff? Yeah. Out for There's a up reason here. why we trended, baby. Practice, you know, over, Thanks for tuning in. And he calls in and he, and he looks at me, he's like, you know, he's got a big chew in and he was a great, great guy to play for. And he looks at me and he says, uh, Lukey, he's like, you're going up. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, fuck, I'm like, I don't want to go back to Chicago. I was having so much fun 
in Greenville. Like, whoa, that, yeah, okay, I know, okay, I know, okay. yeah, I know, okay, I know. I know. It, doesn't, it doesn't make any I'm sense. It doesn't make any sense. But that team, that team in Greenville, we won the Kelly Cup that year, and that's probably one of the best groups of guys I've ever played with. That playoff run was just like it was just a blast. It was like so. So anyway, so he calls. He says, no, 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 and he said, no, not Chicago. And I'm thinking, where the fuck am I going to then? It's like Atlanta. I'm like, there's Jeez. no chance. How many times has that happened? East Coast NHL. I have no idea, but what had happened was that Chicago was caught in Utah, I think, and they couldn't get a flight out because Garnet Garnet Exelby, I think, was the guy that that they that they wanted to bring up. So I got called up by default. <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. And, and played, and 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 I'll never forget it too. I think it was like my second shift of the game. Like I literally would have had an empty net to score on if if one of if going down the ice if the puck had been dropped to me. And it was like what 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 would have happened? Could they have sent me back? Because if they weren't calling me up for good, I was up for one game. Like and they were sending me right back down. Yeah. I mean, I'm a you know 30th overall pick who's in the American Hockey League and just not taking my job seriously. It's like if somebody had told me I was being paid to play hockey and not drink do cocaine and chase women I probably would have done a lot better right but I just was in a I just wasn't in a good place in my life so so yeah I get called I get called up I'm like literally get to the rink and it's like 10 minutes before warm-up right and like I'm a guy that like I'd be at the rink like three four hours before a game like I you know I'm the guy I like to walk around in my underwear have yeah. a coffee shoot yeah. the shit go talk to the trainers go talk to like you know what I mean like yeah. I love the rink yeah. so here I am having to get dressed quickly and it was but I ended up getting on the score sheet Broke my stick over Daniel Elferson's wrists. <laughs> oh yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw there was a two-minute yeah, yeah, penalty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I saw there was a two-minute penalty. Yeah. So. so, yeah. So, but it was in Ottawa where we played. Oh. So my one game in the NHL was played in Ottawa just after That's I very finished. Special. Exactly. So you had all these fans from the '67s yeah. there, and then, and of course, at that point, everybody's thinking this is going to be a long and illustrious career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little, little that I know too is like my cup of coffee literally happened my first year, and I was just never able to get back there. Hey, man. Yeah. So. Like, like but, I've been told many times. Yeah. We're very similar. It doesn't matter if we played one or one hundred. Yeah. We got to play. Yeah. It was our childhood dream, and we got to accomplish yeah, that, for right? Sure, for sure. Luke, yeah. So, you know, congratulations yeah, yeah. Thanks, on playing thanks, in the thanks, National Hockey Thank you, brother. And you too. Right? Regular and you too. season. Yeah. You sure, too. you got some preseasons in. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Some preseason oh, yeah. also, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. one regular season game, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so listen, I can't let you go until you explain a few things to me. Yeah. Because I'm very intrigued. I'm very intrigued with what you do right now, mm, my friend. For sure. I'm very intrigued with this. Mm. I'm very intrigued with the outfit. I'm intrigued with the tattoos. I'm intrigued with this tattoo that you got here. Yeah, yeah. Can, you, can you turn around and show which, it? Which, which one? The, right here. Oh, you got two. Yeah, oh, yeah. you got many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so now, now I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. So, okay. So I just want to, okay. So, so I, di I did my research, but I just want to read this part so I don't get it wrong. And then I'd love if you could explain it because this is, this is you. Yeah, that's a pretty, that's a pretty old. Do you think, do you think it's outdated? Okay, yeah, so, you, yeah, okay, so the you, meditation. Yeah, I can speak to it directly. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah okay, oh, okay, so the meditation. How long ago did you, did you first get involved with this? And, and, I, and I did some research about why you first got into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather you say for it. For sure, for sure. So, please. 
Yeah, I was, so, you know, in my mid-20s, I had been diagnosed with an extensive amount of psychological issues, depression, anxiety, and all these things. There's actually an undercurrent of Asperger's they found now, but, but at that point, they didn't know that head trauma could cause all these things. I didn't portray throughout, right? So, basically, it's from traumatic brain injuries and that, and, and I was a shell of a person. I didn't know who I was, and I was on all these meds for, for, for mental illness and that, and, and I was an addict, or am an addict, uh, recovering, so, so drinking and cocaine and all this kind of stuff, and, and I finally realized I knew nothing about life and I was blaming everything everybody and, and everyone in the world for all of my issues and I had this this moment one morning and I got actually have a documentary coming out it's about 30 minutes long that, that a production company just did that gets into all this stuff but I'm looking in the mirror and, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out like what is like like what's going on and I, and I finally realized that I was the problem to my own life which then in that moment I, I felt this level of inspiration I never felt before it's like if I'm the problem then I must be the solution to all the issues in my own life so Western medicine and that wasn't giving me any sort of outlet in that and therapy and all that. So I looked to the East and I was fortunate enough to attract um, my first room mentor who's a Tibetan monk into my life. And then many, many other masters and, 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 and monks and things like that from India and also for the Sufi tradition in, in Iran and that where basically I just became a student of life. I realized I knew nothing. I, I knew nothing about life. I didn't know how to live my life. I didn't know how to take care of myself. And, and what everyone else was telling me to do I'm looking at them and it's like, well, they're not really living in peace. This whole concept of the potentiality of actually living in this middle space of noticing the mind coming and going and that. And, and I put all my time and energy into meditation because I didn't know what else to do. So I just learned how to sit and begin to look at how the mind is appearing, the, the thoughts, the emotions, how they're coming, how they're going. Because the thing about it is, is that we're conditioned to live life looking out there. It's like people are looking at us right now and we ask them where do you see the two of us standing most people are going to go like this and point like this but that's not exactly where they're seeing us they're actually seeing them inside of their cells right so the image you're seeing of me is actually a screen that's being rendered inside of your brain you're actually seeing me inside of you close your eyes you don't see me anymore mm -hmm. right and sure. where and where you're hearing me speak yeah. is inside of you right so then yes. the question i ask people is then where is your whole life happen inside of you and who should who should determine the outcome you right so we go through our life agitated by all the things going on around us agitating stuck energies in us and the life force is pushing all this stuff to the surface and in our culture we're taught to just distract it push it down all this kind of stuff if we can as specifically as men if we can invoke the vulnerability necessary to be courageous enough to sit in that stuff and to feel it and let it the ocean of consciousness that is us just washes it all away so so the the meditation practice is a tool it's a technique but what it really comes down to is that we each need to get right with life like the, our true soulmate our life partner is life life itself and she's always giving us what we need never what we want and if we can just get 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 set with that and then start to work tools and techniques whatever that may be to start to move the energies and really what it comes down to is us you know, just being the best versions of ourselves, the best human being we can possibly be. Some guys like yourself, like you, you get this. Like talking about, it, you know, when you played, you're always doing school visits, and you know, you're you're literally, and that's the the, the beauty of, of of your the dynamic of you is that, like, you you had more majors in a single season than any other fighter, and you're one of the nicest fucking guys <laughs> with, a, with a massive beautiful heart that nice. like that gives his time genuine and all this. It's like this is what it's about. But what it really comes down to is just is this whole this whole idea that we actually can live in this space of harmony and peace no matter what's going on around us. It takes work, it takes time, it takes energy. But this is where the, the, the this my, my whole life now and, and, and fortunately because I've committed to it in the way that I have, in the way that I didn't commit to my hockey career, then it's turned into a business and I've been for the last ten plus years been traveling around the world and 
teaching different variations of meditations and that at retreat centers. I also work with plant medicines um, down in the jungle and things like that and, and stuff. So it's like I, I could have never imagined how beautiful life can actually become if we can just choose to show up for ourselves consistently, as difficult as it may be, and ask for help when we need it, right? And, yes. and, that's, and that's what really helped me was I started to work with this institute in Toronto called the Prometheum Institute, which is a holistic healing center and looks at addiction and things not in the traditional way and that, and, and things just started to gradually open up. And, and you become a child again. You become a kid again. It's like I feel like every moment of my life now is anew. It's like this is like driving down here. I'm just like, it's not like, oh, it's raining and I get to go on, on a podcast. I've been on a lot of podcasts and not typically hockey-based ones. And it's like, no, I'm just like, how fun is this going to be? Like the wonderment of it. Like you start your car and it's like, oh, my God, I just did that. Like you just start to live in this innocence of it's, it's I can't even put it into words. And it's nothing that I ever would have achieved through sport or hockey other than it being a catalyst and a, and a springboard for me to be able to get here. And, and I think that's one of the big things about when you play a sport for a living, it's like that 10 years is like, that's what it's all about. And you see so many guys post post career and that that are unhealthy and all that, where it's, it's nothing more than just another passing moment. Right? And, and if, we, if we can feel the sacredness of it, each moment has just the same value and newness as every other one. So if that, wow. all, if that all makes some form it, of it sense. Makes, it makes complete, yeah, yeah, okay. we got it. <laughs> yep, the sold out crowd. So. Like I, I appreciate that so much because it makes so much sense. Well, you to get me, it, it's in you. It makes so much sense to me. Now, we've already discussed things that we're gonna do together outside the show. Yeah. There's a couple things that we're gonna do. Now, for the viewers and, and, the, uh, and the audience and the listeners, I believe that they're very inspired by what you're saying. If they want to be a part of this, if they want to, 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 to reach out to you and, and to what you do, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, as, it, as it sits right now, uh, social media through through Facebook would be best. I, I was really active on social media up until about six months ago. I'm about to launch a new leg of my business, which is the over 80 herbs that, that, that we manufacture in-house launch into the U.S. So we have a whole marketing initiative coming up. So I've taken a bit of a break. So right now the best the best is Facebook is where, where I'm most active or my team is. Uh, but soon it'll, we'll be flooding all, all the different social media platforms. But we have, if the people are in the Toronto area and they ever want to come in for a sitting, meditation sitting or that, or, yeah. or a satsang where basically it's just an open and safe and secure place for people to be able to talk about the things that are happening in their life and maybe learn a technique, how to move their spirit into their heart or how to, you know, these types of things. We have those ongoing in that. Um, but yeah, fa Facebook would be the best. And, and I'm, 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 I'm around. I work for myself and I get back to everybody and I'm always interested in having conversations with people if they're looking to, looking for any form of guidance assistance or even just to say hi it's yeah. like oh, you know, it's yeah. like i mean it's it's i'm just i'm just interested in having friends and yeah. community and, and and having fun and all that kind of stuff so. anything for the better good right that's yeah. what i say yeah right? yeah it's it's yeah right i think yeah. it's 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 uh, to that because it's because look at look at i mean it's it's we refer to it as the law of one it's like when all human beings live in harmony with one another and live live working with one another and that and i saw this living down with the indigenous in the jungle and that it's like it is the most beautiful experience that we can ever have but you look at the way that we're living in the modern world. It's like nobody's living in harmony because they're not in harmony within their own selves. And, and rightfully so. I mean, I have a lot of compassion for it because look at the world we live in. I mean, having to pay bills, all these different things. It's, it's, it's an elusive idea for most to think that relaxing into it all is actually 
the, the best way to be able to live it or the most harmonious because we're always pushing, 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 trying to get somewhere or trying to get from somewhere. And this goes back to childhood. We're rewarded if we're good, we're punished if we're bad. It creates this whole pursuit of pleasure, avoidance of pain. Right, yes. and this is this this ebbs and flow and roller coaster ride of life that most of us are on, and I think we're coming on a time though where human beings are starting to get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and and starting to look within now because the answers aren't out there. That's for sure. Well, I mean that's some really powerful stuff, and you know what, Luke, I'm I'm so interested in this, and and I know that the audiences too that I'm 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 probably gonna be harassing you for a part two very very soon, buddy, because I think we the, la the last last podcast I was on went to part seven. Really? Okay, so not, so not, I'm not the only one that yeah, feels yeah, that not, way. Yeah, it's, well, it's because it's an uncommon message coming from an uncommon vessel, right? It's like yes. it's, you know, as a this is not this is not you know for someone who is a pro hockey player to basically you know dedicate his life and you know monkhood now it's and and not in not in I this way it, of though. sitting in a monastery I, the way i look at it is becoming a modern monk the art of being a jedi like like what is it to be able to navigate this reality as a mystic which is a whole nother you know a whole nother thing but all this stuff we're talking about it's this is it's it's in each one of us it's mm -hmm. a remembering we yeah. just have to we just have to take the time to start looking at it. i'm i'm excited to see what's possible with the because i got this whole kids program we got going lit kids leaders and training and that and, and you getting involved in this to whatever yes. capacity because it's just i think men like ourselves and that need to come together and, and and really you know do do good work here on this planet it's not just about making money and all this other shit, right so it's it's buddy, it's, it's an honor i'm really excited yeah. to work with you buddy i want to thank you for coming on the show honestly buddy i learned look at these heads <laughs> you kidding me? i learned so much i know that i know that the listeners and audience did too man so I, hats off to you, man. I, I appreciate it so much. Mm. This was an educational episode for me. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 it, for me being around you is educational for me, just because of the, the so <laughs> just watching your energy and that and how inspired you are about life and all that kind of stuff. And I see you got Jammer coming on here next. Well, I got. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a good buddy of Jammer, so he's, I hope he comes on a million times, mm. man. But 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 honestly, <laughs> he's a good he's a good guy. Yes. Good 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 guy. Thank you for coming on, buddy. For sure, brother. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it so much. Yeah, yeah, and I want to sure. thank the listeners. For tuning in to another episode of The Sheriff. We'll see you next time, guys. Woo! There's a reason why we trending, baby. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go!